This is Be Vigilant, Part 5. Uh, first, I'm going to just give a brief brief recap. That's what I always do that. And just going back to things that I've said earlier about the confusion and the lies and misinformation and half-truths, uh, which is a danger because a large majority of people and a lot of people will not try to verify things that they've heard because it goes, it agrees with what their own biases are and their own beliefs. Um, you know, everybody think they're right. But when you look at the word of God and if you have a really honest uh, reflection of what's in your heart and what you're thinking, if you're really willing to be honest about yourself, you can tell and see that you're really biased. Now, the believer, we in Christ, we must be vigilant. And that word vigilant means to be careful, to watch out for danger, to be on guard so that we don't get caught up in the confusion. We don't get ourselves uh, worried, anxious about the things that we see happening in the world and what we're hearing and what people are saying. We must ask the Lord for help and seek the truth when we ask him for help. We must also test the spirit, try the spirit, and study the word of God and pray and believe it or not. When you pray and ask the Lord, if you ask him to show you things, he will show it to you. may not be when you want, but in the time, he will show it to you and make it very clear to you. All right, so we were in Second Timothy. That was the main scripture that this series um, spawned from, actually. Second Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And this is Paul's letter to Timothy. And the section of this letter, Paul is saying, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you... Timothy must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that is the, the scripture reading. So Paul's letter to Timothy warned him about perilous times and evil men, but encouraged him to continue doing the things he learned and was assured of. That word, that phrase assured of means the things that he is confident, convinced of, and known to be true. And not to forget who taught him, the source, the character, and the trustworthiness of the person who taught him. So last week, we also were in First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 12, and I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to touch on a few points that we did cover. And Paul was also telling Timothy about false teachers, greedy men, and their motives. And he encouraged him about what's important. He said, don't get distracted, Timothy, you know, because some have strayed from the faith. They started in faith and they strayed from the faith because of greed and their desire to be rich. And that lead, leads to temptation and a snare. As I said before, there's nothing wrong with wealth. But the question is, what are we willing to sacrifice to acquire it? Is what we want God's will for our life? So he said, Timothy, you have been called to preach and teach. You're not called to be a wealthy man. You're not called to be to riches because that's what happened to others who were called in the faith, but they were distracted by their own greed and motives. So he said, Timothy, be content in what, in the life you have. He's saying in your, in your, in your food, your clothing, be content in these things. And what he's saying to Timothy, live a purposeful life, be loyal to the call on your life and don't get distracted pursuing things that you have not been called to pursue. And that is something we always have to remember about our life in Christ. 
What are we called to do? Let's focus on that so that we don't get distracted and be, and be dis, and pulled off of our purpose in Christ. If you focus on why you are here and do the will of Christ, you will not give into temptation and stray because you know your purpose. You know why you're here. So he tells Timothy, flee these things. What are these things? The things that are going to distract you. The things that are going to want, you want to pursue that are not a, a call for your life. And I'm bringing it to us here. Not only that, but don't get yourself caught up in the lies and the misinformation and the quarreling. Get yourself in quarreling and get yourself caught up in conspiracy theories. These are things that are not edifying you and it's not going to help you in your walk with Christ. They are distractions. And if you get caught up in it because you have been drawn and enticed by your own lust and your own desire. Okay. So what we are to be doing, he said, Timothy, pursue righteousness godliness, faith, pursue these things with people of like mind. And at the end of the scriptures there in uh, verse, uh, first Timothy chapter six, verse 12, the end of the verse is that he said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life and so forth. And my question to us and what I said last week, how do we fight that fight? How do we fight the good fight of faith? And then I introduce the, the understanding that we must have when we have to do this thing, when we have to fight this fight of faith. So I said we must understand the arena and the players in the battle for the mind. The arena is the environment that we are living in. And in that environment, it's a battle for people's minds and people's souls. And before, you know, a couple of um, messages ago, I mentioned about Jesus's parable of the tares. The world is a field, and in this world, there are children of the kingdom, and there are children of the wicked. This is the arena we are living in. The arena is the world that we are living in, and on this world, there are children of the kingdom and children of the wicked one. There are spiritual forces at work, which are more powerful than the things in the natural. So we are, there are a lot of physical, we are spirit beings in a physical body. That's people, all the people on the earth are physical, are spirit beings in a physical body. Some serve Satan, some serve God. And behind the scenes, there are spiritual forces. This is the arena we are living in. Unfortunate thing is that, thing is that most people do not know or understand the arena that we are living in. Most people are clueless. So they're just, you know, living day to day, not understanding the, the arena that we are living in. So I started last week in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. And I'll start here and I'll read that scripture again. And then I'm going to cross-reference that with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. So I'll read those, um, I'll touch on those two scriptures. And hopefully I can get to to a bit more before uh, we, we close today. So let's turn to Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to start reading. So this is Paul speaking to the saints in the church in Ephesus. Verse 11 states, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles means schemes, okay? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because we are battling these things, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So I'm just going to touch on some of the things I talked about last week about that. So Paul is explaining to the saints in Ephesus what we are fighting against, what we are wrestling against. He said, he's telling them what we are wrestling against, the tools with which to resist and their purpose, the purpose of the tools. All right. So he's saying here, oh, we understand that we use natural tools to deal with natural things and we need spiritual tools to deal with spiritual things. Okay. You cannot use natural things to fight spirit, spiritual things. So understand that. So the armor of God is our spiritual, our spiritual tools or our weaponry. The Lord did not leave us defenseless. Is, that's amazing. He did not leave the saints of God. He did, not, he did not leave his brethren. He did not leave us defenseless. He equipped us with the appropriate tools to resist, to be able to stand and withstand. And that word withstand means to offer a strong resistance or opposition to something or some someone and remain undamaged or unaffected. I mean, that is awesome. That is awesome. Why do we wear a raincoat? Why do we wear, have an umbrella? We have an umbrella to resist the rain. So we don't get soaked. We don't get wet. That's the equipment or the tools you use to keep yourself dry as you walk through the rain. Do you understand? So to resist the enemy, you need the armor of God. And that is so that when you go through, when you withstand, when you stand against the enemy and the onslaught of spiritual forces, you come through undamaged or unaffected. God gave us the spiritual tools. We have to put them to work. We have to put on the armor. If you don't put it on, it's not going to help you in your battle, spiritual battle. So you understand that we have a part to play. When we are born into this world, we are thrust in the arena and we are unprepared. Remember I said what the arena is, the world, right? When you are born into this world, you are thrust into this arena. This arena you come into, you are unprepared because you come in as a little baby. You are unprepared to deal with the natural things and the spiritual forces when you're birthed into this world. Because you're a baby. That's why a baby has parents. A parent is supposed to what? Teach children how to function in the natural world but also in the spiritual world. Parents are supposed to teach their children how to function in the natural world and the spiritual world. But most people function, focus only on the natural things. Do you understand? So my mom and dad, as I was growing up, they were teaching me how to function in this world. We now have children. We have to teach them how to function. So when they are grow, when they grow up, they know how to function in this world. That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. So when that child is old, he will not depart from it. 
It's not only teaching children how to live in the physical, it's teaching your children how to deal with things in the spiritual realm. But as I said, most people teach their children how to deal and live in the physical. And many of us fail at that because many of our children are messed up because we fail as parents. But don't come under condemnation for that. You can only teach what you know. If you don't know certain things, how can you teach what you do not know? But as a child of God, now we have been equipped not only with the word, but God has given us his spirit to teach, for us to learn and to teach. So understand that we are not fighting people. You see, when Jesus was at, was attacked by the by the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he understood the spirit behind them. The enemy cannot attack you as a spirit unless he possesses you or he oppresses you. But he will use people to attack you. He will use people to come against you. That's how he functions. Jesus didn't put himself on the cross. He allowed himself to be put on the cross. But the the enemy used people to put him on the cross. He used people to beat him. He used people to whip him. He used people to slap him, to, to beat, to punish him. He used people. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So these spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, they are masters of manipulation, seduction, and deception. Organized, they are organized, they are committed, and they have a purpose. And they're never distracted from their purpose. They are here to steal, kill, and destroy. The natural man in his superior thinking, thinking that he has control of his life. He doesn't, my natural man does not have control of his destiny. Because there, as I said, there's spiritual forces behind the scenes, pulling the strings and manipulating and directing the course of people's lives, whether they know it or not. So the natural man cannot compete against spiritual things. Now, this is all kind of a little bit of recap and some new things I'm throwing in there. So this is what we are up against. This is what people are up against. But the child of God, Apostle Paul is saying to the saints in Ephesus and to us today, this is what we are up against. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We we are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God has given us the spiritual tools and equipment to resist so we don't have to worry. It's not our armor, it's God's armor. It's not our way, it's God's way. This is what, this is how God has determined that we are going to be victors in this world by using the spiritual armor that has been made available to us. So we just have to understand what it is and how to use it. Glory to God. This is exciting. This is exciting. So now we have to take up and put on the armor of God to withstand in the evil day. What is that evil day? The evil day is like now. The evil day is anytime you are afraid and fearful because it's a battle for your mind. That's the evil day. That evil day could be whatever day it is. The evil day could be, could be anything that's challenging your faith. Anything that's trying to derail your faith. That is the evil day. Coronavirus. This is an evil day, an evil time because this is a season that we have to deal with this virus. This is a season we have to, people are worried about they're going to catch this thing and it can kill them or kill their parents. And now people are worried about their children. 
because we see now uh, um, subsidiary effects of people of children what the experts say because they have been infected with this virus and then on top of that now you have you know job losses and so forth people in a, in long lines trying to get food that's the evil day so how do you withstand the fiery darts that are coming against your mind that are telling you you're not going to make it that are telling you I'm afraid to go to shop right or I'm afraid to do this and that because I'm going to get sick and die that's the evil day it's a battle for your mind the battle is to snare you and have you afraid and scared before I continue let's just go to second corinthians chapter 10 and let me just talk about these scriptures then I'll put everything together for today so second corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 to 5 now, this is a, another le- letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And the, this is the second letter he wrote to the, the saints in the church in Corinth. Now, all these letters, eventually all these, all this information was being passed on to all the churches. And Timothy also was getting this information. So in 2 Timothy chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, I'm going to read now from verse 3. Paul is talking about now what we are against. He says, for we walk, so he said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God or through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All right? That is important. That's important. Paul is saying here now in another way what he's, what we are fighting. Although we walk in the flesh, walking in the flesh, he's saying we are flesh and blood. We are, as I said, we are spirit beings in a physical body. We are walking this earth. He said, though we war in the flesh, we don't fight or we don't war according to the flesh. You see, we don't use guns. We don't use philosophy. We don't use knives. Not this battle is a spiritual battle. We have spiritual tools, which is the armor of God, which I talked about in the previous scriptures. He said, we don't war according to the flesh. We don't fight like regular people. We use the armor of God. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, talking about the the armor of God, they are not carnal. And what that word carnal means, that word carnal means they're not fleshy. They're not of the flesh. They're not man-made weapons. That's what it means by carnal. They are not man-made weapons. But these weapons, the armor of God, they are mighty in God or through God, pulling down strongholds. What are these strongholds? I'm not going to go into depth. In terms of the context of this message and talking about being vigilant against lies, misinformation, not getting distracted, it has to do with the strongholds in our mind. Because the strongholds, you see, when you give in to lies and misinformation, when you're distracted, it forms, the enemy forms a stronghold in your mind. Because you're not thinking the ways of God anymore. You're thinking your, your thoughts and your, your, and your your desires and your attraction is to the things of the enemy that he wants you to focus on. 
That's why you have deception. That's why you have seduction. That's why you have imposters. You see, it, when it forms a stronghold in your mind, that's why these people, that's why people lie. That's why they give information. That's why you have uh, uh, conspiracy theorists because of the stronghold in their mind. The stronghold was formed by, by the enemy, but because of their alone lust and desires. The battle is for the mind. Okay, so it's saying here, the word of God, the weaponry of God can pull down the strongholds in your mind. All right. So if you have, let's say you, you're thinking wrong when you have unforgiveness, you have hate, you're racist. The word of God, the, the spiritual armor can pull the strongholds. And these are strongholds out down from, uh, from that person's mind, snatching them from darkness into light. That's how the word of God works. When you preach the word, when you share the word of God with someone, it's not you. It's the word of God that goes in and it convicts them of their sin. It convicts them of their wrong stand. And that conviction is not by our, it's not, not by us. It's the power of the word of God and the spirit of God. And the word goes in and convicts that person of their sin. And that stronghold is brought, brought down by the word of God. And we are supposed to cast down imagination. So when we hear things that don't line up with the word of God, we have to take those thoughts and cast them aside. What happens with people? We hear things and we react. We don't take the thought that when we hear something, to take a hold of it, then decide what we're going to do. The natural man just reacts to what he hears. Because he reacts because he quickly takes offense. He quickly puts up a guard and then he lashes out, not thinking, not controlling his emotions, not controlling their thoughts. That's why the Bible says, be quick to think, slow to speak, slow to anger. Take hold of your thoughts before you respond. Okay, so the armor of God is it will help with that. They say you have to cast down arguments, cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring the thought into captive. You have to take that thought, the thing you hear, the lies and misinformation. You hear it and you say, "Uh uh-oh, that's not of God. And you have to cast it aside. So we know hate, we know racism, we know bigotry. When we hear people saying these things, we take that thought and hold it captive. Because God's word will, will, is a sifter, is a thing, is the thing you can, you would use to, to screen what you're hearing and decide if what you're hearing is the truth or not the truth. That is what we do. We take the thought captive and we cast it aside because it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word. I hope you got that. So those are two things now I brought to your, to your, to your, your knowledge the spiritual armor, and what we are fighting against and how we are to use the weapons. Let me go back now to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse verse 14. And I'm going to read now from verse 14 about what the armor is. Now Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He said now, verse 14, stand therefore. Therefore is the word used to tie, refer back to something he said. So he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. 
and having done all to stand. He said, now stand therefore. Girded your, having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he said, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery dart of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And I'm going to stop there. Okay. So what is he saying here? Paul is stating what the armor of God is. But what he's saying here is using an analogy of what a Roman soldier or soldier back in those days were using as an, as their armor when they were going into battle. So it says here that the truth, the loins girded with truth, he's talking about around your waist. The truth is referring to, as far as spiritual armor goes, it's talking about knowing the truth about who you are in Christ, who you are in God, and walking in that truth. So you got to know the truth and walk in that truth, okay? Have your loins girded about the truth, not somebody else's truth, God's truth about who you are. Okay, make sure you know that. So you make sure you walk with that. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is what? What is the breastplate of righteousness? What is righteousness? Righteousness is believing God, walking in the word of God, walking in the light of God. Because the word of God says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. We are righteous because we believe the word of God. And not only do we believe it, we believe it and we walk in it. There's a righteousness which is of faith in Christ. Righteousness, we are declared righteous because we walk by faith. Okay? We are declared righteous because we believe God. That's how you get saved. We say we believe in Jesus because that's what God's word says. God says, God's word says, believe on the name of the Son of God and you will be saved. And because we believe, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. That's why, that's how we become righteous, not because of anything we do. We don't deserve it, but we do it the way God says. Righteousness, walking in righteousness is walking in the ways of God. So he said, that is your breastplate. That is, that protects you. He said also, he said here now in verse, um, have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherever you go and whatever you do, Make sure you're ready and able to share the good news of the gospel. It's the gospel of peace. What peace is that? That a sinner can be reconciled to God and live in harmony with God. No longer be an enemy to God. That's what being the gospel of peace is. That's what the gospel is. The good news that man, fallen man, can be redeemed to God. Fallen man no longer has to be an enemy with God. He can have peace with God through Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what we have been, we should be ready and willing and able to share with others that we meet wherever we go. Cause that's what Paul did. That's what Timothy did. That's what 
That's what I've done with some people on this line. Share the good news of the gospel and reconcile them with God. That's what we've done with other people. And he said, now, above all that, taking the shield of faith with which you are able or will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What is that shield of faith? The shield of faith is what we use to protect us from the darts. What are the darts? The darts are the things that come against your mind to make you afraid and to paralyze you so that you can't do the things that God requires of you. You can't live a life of victory. So the shield of faith is the thing that you put up to quench or to to protect you against the darts that are coming against your mind. How do you use that shield? You take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is that shield. That shield is a screen, the thing you use to protect your mind. And what's the next thing here? So it says, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The helmet of salvation is the thing you use to protect your mind. Because as the darks come, as the attacks come, you understand who you are and you understand what your salvation means. When you understand that, no devil in hell can tell you that you are lost. You know in your mind and you know in your heart that you are saved. You know when you pray, God hears your prayer. You know where you are going. You know that you are going, you are going to be in eternity with Christ. There is not, nothing anyone can tell you that can dissuade you or distract you of your path of salvation. You know that you are saved. You know that you are a child of God. You know that you are loved by God. You have to be convinced and know in your heart that you are saved. Because if you, if your head is bare, if you don't know, people can easily take you off course and tell you that you're no good, that God doesn't love you, that you should kill yourself, things like that. And once you listen to that and you act on it, what does that, what does that say? That your head is, you're open, you're open to attack. And when you commit that act, Based on what has been said to you, it shows that you have been vulnerable, you're not protected, and that you have easily been preyed upon. But once you have that head on, that helmet on, I don't care what they say. And you talk about the sword of the spirit. The helmet is knowing. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. So what I said, I know who I am. So when I have been told something contrary to who I know I am, I quote the scriptures in line with what God's word says about who I am. When they say what? You are a sinner. I am a sinner saved by grace. And the word sinner, if you understand the definition of sinner, a sinner is a person who sins, just sins willfully, without any, any consciousness of God. But me, I, as a child of God, I don't purposely sin. But if I do sin, I know I have an advocate. The word of God said, I have a go-between, a lawyer, the Lord Jesus Christ. I can go before the Father. I can repent of my sin. And I know that I will be given, forgiven. Because my lawyer, Jesus, sits at the throne of grace. And he intercedes with me, with the Father for me. So when I before the Father, in his name, repenting of my sin, I know that my sin is forgiven. Why? Because that's what the word of God says. 
Oh, glory to God. So that word, I will quote what the Bible says about me. So I said, yes, I have sinned. But Lord, forgive me for my sin. Help me to walk in uprightness. Forgive me. Wash me in the blood. Why? Because that's what the word of God says I need to do. I need to repent of my sin and I need to plead the blood. Why? Because the blood is what washes me of my sin, cleanses me of all unrighteousness. So that is the word, the sword of the spirit. Speaking the word of God, not speaking philosophy. I am saying what the word of God says about my condition and about how I am supposed to approach the throne of grace when I have sinned. We know your loins girded with truth. Know that you know what it is and walk in it. The breastplate of righteousness. Know what that means. You have to be submitted to the word of God and the ways of God. The gospel of peace, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Knowing that wherever we go, we are to be the light and share the good news with people who are lost, that they don't need to be separated from God. They don't have to do anything else but believe. All the work has already been done. All they have to do is believe. And the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. The shield of faith is knowing the word of God. The helmet of salvation, knowing who you are, knowing the word, and and screening that what has been said to you, and the fiery darts that come to your mind, so that you can withstand and not give in to the thoughts, holding them captive captive to the obedience of Christ. And if they do not line up with the word, you cast them aside. You pull down strongholds and imaginations, things that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, the word of God. You cast them aside and you use your sword to declare what the word of God says about your situation. We have to also pray with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. We have to pray. You know, sometimes the attacks are so overwhelming. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is how you resist. You resist him in the armor of God. And when you resist him, when you withstand him, he will leave you. So. You know, the last, just the last thought, be vigilant. Don't get, allow yourself to get distracted. Don't allow your thoughts to be played with by the enemy. Don't allow yourself to be taken off course from your walk by, or walk by in faith or in the faith. As Paul told Timothy, continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of. Don't get distracted. Continue. That's why I, I always tell people, study the word. Spend time reading the word. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. And when that thing is in your heart, nobody can take it from you because God will give you an experience to solidify, solidify that thing in your heart so that no one can take it from you. But I just hope that you not only be hearers of the word, but you'll be doers of the word. So I hope you receive something today.